Sometimes I feel lost. And maybe that's not what you're expecting to hear out of a pastor on Christmas Eve. And yet it's, it's true. Don't get me wrong, there, there, are, there are plenty of times where I really love my life and I feel a sense of clarity and direction, a strong sense of calling and purpose. And then there are other times where I, I look around me and I, I just ask the question, what am I doing here? And what is this all for? Now, I know to some of you, maybe you're thinking, that guy sounds depressed. Um, but I'm not. I've been evaluated, but I'm not. Um, here's what I can tell you, that um, I, I think that's just a part of life. Even for a pastor, even for a, a person of faith. Yeah, even on Christmas. And, and, and I know in my life, part of the reason sometimes that I feel lost is because I am. Uh, There are moments in life where I I set out in a direction to achieve something, to accomplish something, to become someone, and I do it with clarity and purpose and, again, intentionality and direction, and I'm on my way, and then somewhere along the way, I start to veer off track, and, and, and before I know it, I look around me, and I don't recognize where I am. I find myself in a place I never intended on being. This isn't Photoshop, by the way. It's a real place. Lost Spring, Wyoming, population one. And probably not many of you, if anyone in here or online has actually been to Lost Spring, Wyoming, and yet we've been there, haven't we? On our own, lost. Uh, In my life, when I think about things that I've pursued more than anything else, one of the things that I've just longed for is a family. Uh, A family that would be whole, a household that would be filled with, with love and kindness and respect. I, I wanted a family where I could raise kids and those kids would feel so seen and heard and valued and loved, especially by their dad. And, and so that's something that I, I've pursued with, with focus and it's driven my decisions and it's changed my whole value structures and it's shaped my priorities and God has been so good. Uh, here's a picture of my family. Um, my son Corbin's next to me, my daughter Aria, there's my wife Jocelyn, my daughter Ellie. Those girls look nothing like their mother, do they? Um, uh, not at all. Um, and, uh, and, and I look at my family and so many days my heart swells with gratitude. Because my kids, they're not perfect, but they're, they're smart and they're wise beyond their years and they're gifted and they're kind I mean, as kind as preteen and teenagers can be. Let's, let's be honest. Let's not overdo this thing here. Uh, and, and I look at them, and I'm just so grateful for the people that they are. And again, my, my heart swells most days. And then there are other days. And specifically, <laughs> let me talk to you about the other day, a week ago Sunday. It was Sunday afternoon, and I was leaving work. I was leaving church here, and I was headed home. And I was just kind of tired. I was a little bit raw, just you know, emotionally, uh, just not in a great place. And, and I pulled in at home, and as I'm pulling into the driveway, my son Corbin, he comes out to meet me. And I don't know why he's there exactly, but here's what I do notice, that as he comes out to greet me, he's, he's standing there in his socks, which maybe doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but this kid burns through socks like they're tissues, uh, and so we tell him over and over again, Corbin, don't go outside in your socks. And yet he still goes outside in his socks. And, and so I see him there and he's, he's outside in his socks. And I'm so annoyed by that. And, the, and then I look closer and I notice that one of his socks, just one of them, 
is my sock. He's wearing one of my socks. You know, if you want to wreck your own socks, you wreck your own socks. Don't wreck my socks. And, and, and before I know it, I just, I lose it. And I start yelling at him and, and he's looking at me kind of afraid and we go into the garage and, and, and the only thing that stops me in that tirade is, is for a moment I start to hear a familiar voice outside the house and I realize it's my own voice echoing around the neighborhood because the garage door hadn't closed yet. Note to self, before you scream at your kids, make sure the doors and windows are closed so the neighbors don't, don't think you're crazy. And, and even that wasn't enough to bring me out of it. I went into the house and, and you know, just kept, kept going because nothing says happy Sunday like dad on a, a, a tirade. And, and so I went into the house and, and it just this kept up. And, and then eventually, eventually I came to this place where, where I saw myself over all of these small things. And, and I, you know, I, I just, it just became so clear to me that never in a million years did I intend to be the kind of dad who would just lose it over something so small. Should the kid go outside in his socks? No. But I never intended to be the kind of dad who screamed about dumb things or made my kids feel dumb or made them feel unloved. I had lost my way. Sometimes it happens in my career. 22 years ago, I set out to become a pastor to help people on their journey, to help people find wholeness and to reveal God as he really is, not who we imagine him to be. And, and some days I look around me and I'm so grateful. I just, just where God has put me is beyond my expectation. This church is beyond my wildest dreams, not just because it's big or well-resourced, but, but really the heart of this church and the things that God does here, they just, they humble me. And some days I'm so grateful to be here, but you know what? Some other days, my heart is miles away from here. I'll spend a whole day just dreaming about escaping to something else. Or in my marriage, in 18 and a half years of marriage, and every married person sitting here tonight knows that that half is important, isn't it? Every little bit counts in marriage. In fact, I, I kind of think we should age our marriages in the same way that we age our toddlers. So in 223 months of marriage, um, I, I realize that there are these moments, there are these seasons where I, I kind of just come to, and I realize that I've been on autopilot, and I don't know for how long, but I look at Jocelyn, we look at each other, and we realize that when we were dating, when we were saying our I wills in front of the pastor and, and all of our family, we, we never imagined that we'd be in a place like this. It's, it's so easy to lose your way. And the great thing about losing your way in these, in these moments in this kind of way is that when you realize it, when you have that moment of clarity, you, you can change things, right? You can make a different decision. You can get on track. I, I can choose to stop yelling at my kids and I, I can choose instead to savor my time with them knowing that the days are long but the years are short. And it's not going to be much time at all before, for, before the silence in my house is painful and I'm going to wish for more noise and distraction and maybe some, some holier socks or something. Like I'll miss that, right? And, and so I can, I can make a decision today to, to keep my cool and to savor my time and just to enjoy what they bring. And, and I, can, I can learn to, to love my career and remember why I got into this in the first place. And I can invest in my marriage and I can make decisions that get me back on track. But there are other times in life where it's not so simple. Where I find myself maybe, maybe exactly where I always wanted to be. 
I find my life completely on course, on plan to where I wanted it to be, and I look around and everything is exactly how I pictured it. And yet deep down, I still feel lost. And I don't even know why. See, if that's ever been you, tonight I want you to hear and remember what God did for you on Christmas. Uh, You've already heard the Christmas story told in a more conventional way. Um, There's another telling of the Christmas story. It's, It's a little more cosmic. And it comes from John's gospel, um, chapter one. He writes, in the beginning was the word. This is a reference to Jesus. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And so the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. See, if you've ever found yourself feeling lost, here's your hope tonight. That Jesus, the word, Jesus, the one in whom life dwells more fully than anyone who's ever walked the face of this planet, he has come to be your light. Now, now there are two realities that the scripture teaches about that I continually have to hold in tension. One of these realities is that in the big picture, my life doesn't matter much at all. I am insignificant. Most of us, 20 years after we're gone, certainly a generation or two after we're gone from this earth, will by and large be forgotten. And the scripture says that I am but a mist that appears for a little while and then I'm I'm just absorbed back into the sea. I'm like the grass that grows in a field and withers tomorrow. The scriptures say that I am dust and to dust someday I'll return. The scripture teaches clearly that, that my life is relatively insignificant on the grand stage of things. And so all the things that I get so worked up about my existential crises, they don't really mean that much in the bigger picture. But the scripture teaches another reality. And that is that I was loved before I ever took a breath. And that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's no one that's been created. There's no one that's been made exactly like me. That, that I am an object of deep value in the object of God's undying affection. The scriptures teach that, that Jesus loved me so much that he came down and he took on my flesh to become like me so that I didn't have to be alone anymore. 
And not only that, Jesus came and he put on flesh to reveal to me the heart of this God who invites me into relationship with himself so I don't have to guess or speculate about who this God is who invites me into relationship. See, both things are true. I'm but a mist and I don't matter at all. And I am a priceless treasure and I matter more than I could ever possibly imagine. And here's the thing, on Christmas, those two realities, they collide. As we see God come down in our flesh to, to help us, to help us find our way, he, he demonstrates that he cares about all of our insignificant struggles, all of our first world problems, all of our aches and pains and groans that are so small that other people just tell us to get over, that God cares about those things so much that he came down to help us find our way. And you see, for me, personally, this, this, is, this is what Jesus has done for me. And this is why, to me, he's like no other. See, in Jesus, I see proof that my God is a God of second and third and 5,762nd chances. That when I'm tempted to wallow in my failures as a husband or a father, as a friend or as a leader, my God tells me, no, no, don't wallow because my mercies are new every morning and my compassion is great and so is my faithfulness. My God reminds me that even when I've done my worst, when I feel like I'm too far gone, I've made mistakes that are just too big and, 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 and there's nothing that can fix them, that he is a God who can bring beauty out of my ashes. He can redeem anything. And Jesus is my proof of that. If you know what happens to Jesus in his life, if you know the ashes that God redeems for beauty in Jesus' life, then you know that God can do this in your life. And that's what Jesus brings into my life when, when I'm overcome with how off track I am. I remember that Jesus is my proof that it's never too late. But you know what's even more? Having a relationship with Jesus, knowing him, Do you know what that does for me? It's demonstrated for me that Jesus came to reveal and to help me find my way to the things my heart longs for most. See, like you, my heart longs for a lot of things. I I long for a nicer car. I would love a nice long vacation. Uh, As I age, I, I long for my eyes not to look so tired and I long for my hair to stay put. You know, no retreating, just stay. But since I've been in a relationship with Jesus, you know what his light has done? It's, it showed me that, yeah, while I long for those things, actually there are deeper things in my heart that I long for more that I don't even always know that are there. And the same is true for you. See, see, there are things that we all long for, things that are deeper in our heart, that are universal to all of us. We all long for purpose, to know really what we're here for and what we're supposed to do, what our calling is. We, we all long for relationships where, where we um, can be seen and known and valued for who we are, not just what we can do. And we long for people who will stand by our side no matter what. And, and we long for stability and security in a world that is always changing. Those are the things that we all long for, but but do you know that in each of us, God has planted specific dreams 
specific purposes, desires and longings that are only true of us. He's hidden them away in our heart and sometimes we don't even know that they're there and that's why even when we're living the life that we always dream for ourselves, there's something in us that says this isn't it, there's more and we feel lost because we've not yet let the light of Jesus come in and reveal to us the things that God has hidden away inside of us, to reveal the things that our hearts long for most and to show us the way toward them. See, I wonder today if anyone else is tired of feeling lost, tired of trying to figure it out, tired of trying to keep yourself on track, Tired of the just cold and frightening feeling of having the life you've always wanted and knowing in your heart that it's still not enough. See, Jesus came to be your light, to reveal to you the things that your heart longs for most, the mysteries of your heart, not just to reveal them, but to help you find your way to them. And, and you can keep living life like I do with this ready, fire, aim approach that we're so good at. Or tonight, you can allow Jesus to do what he came to do, not just for the world, but for you. You can let him be your light. See, in a minute, we're gonna pray a prayer and the words are gonna be on the screen and you're gonna have an opportunity to pray it and chances are pretty much everyone around you is gonna be praying this prayer. But if tonight there's just something clicking in my words, and I'll tell you, it's not my words, it's the call of God on your life. If if there's something clicking inside of you, if there's something stirring, and tonight you just acknowledge that you're tired of feeling lost, and you're tired of trying to figure it out, and you're tired of trying to keep your life on direction, and you're tired of the feeling of, of being alone, if you're ready to let Jesus do for you what he came into the world to do, to reveal to you the deepest purposes of your heart, the longings of your heart, and to help you find your way to them, then as you pray this prayer, pray it differently than everyone around you. Not just his words on the screen that you're obliged to pray, but but let it be your heart's cry. Let Let it be not just your invitation, but let it be your permission slip written to Jesus to say, Jesus, come into my life and do the thing that you came into this world to do because I need a little light to show me what's deep in my heart, the longings that live there, and I need you to guide me to them. See, let this be more of a than just a simple prayer. Let it be your heartfelt cry. Let it be words of conviction. Let it be a new beginning. Please rise with me. The way this starts is I'll pray first and then uh, there'll be some direction for you to join. And again, tonight can be a new beginning for you. Lord, you didn't come to a perfect world. You came to a people with frayed hope and in need of direction. Your very birth wrapped in conflict, doubt, and fear. You came humbly, O Lord, born of a virgin to a simple family to walk a journey of glory and tears. Now pray with me. Now, dear Jesus, come again. Come into my fragile and tattered heart. 
Make me humble so that I may love and serve like you. Prepare a quiet place within me where peace and joy are born. Give me the gift of yourself so that I may be a gift to the world around me, the world you love, the world you came down to save. Lord Jesus, I invite you in. I bid you come again for your glory. Amen.